0: Welcome to the Encounter Community Church Podcast, where we take God's Word and look at how we can utilize, practically apply it, and implement it into our lives. Welcome to the Encounter Community Church Podcast. My name is Ken Baller, Jr. I'm the pastor here at Encounter Community Church. And I do have to say, it is another absolutely beautiful day. We had our first outdoor service, once again, last Sunday. Really excited about that. It was about 74 degrees, beautiful sunshine. You know, it really sucks to live in Southern California. I I can't even say that with a straight face. And I do want to let you know that I do pray for my brothers and sisters who are out here, who listen to the podcast, who have churches that are in places where the weather just won't permit for them to be meeting outside. Hopefully, things will be, or things are able for them to be able to meet in some way where they can socially distance, be safe in spite of the challenges with COVID, but also be able to just support and encourage and uplift one another. But I think, again, it's important to remember that just because we can't necessarily meet physically doesn't mean that church has stopped. As a matter of fact, there's probably no greater opportunity for the church to be the church than it is right now. No greater opportunity for us to be able to show his compassion and his love. When we have neighbors around us who are struggling financially, that's a way for us to step up and to be able to make a difference. When we have churches, our our people that are in need, it's a way for us to step up, provide food for them to be able to meet that need we look at what's going on with COVID as far as just people getting cabin fever at home and how it's affecting marriages and relationships. There's more brokenness in that way than there has been in the past. They're saying that the, that the suicide rate because of COVID has increased. So again, there's, there's no greater opportunity for the church to be the church. So even though we can't necessarily gather the way that we would like to, there's still the opportunity for us to serve in the way that God has called us to, that we can still make a difference and still be able to touch lives. And then once we've all been vaccinated and are able to gather together once again and meet once again, then praise God for that. We continue to make that happen, but it's so important for us to just remember that, that although we may not be able to gather as a church, we can still be the church. And I don't know, maybe I'll make that an Instagram quote (laughs) because that's a good one. Although we may not be able to gather as a church, we can still be the church. But I do. I do hope that you are doing well. I do hope that, you know, this is an opportunity for you to be able to grow and to just develop and become the best you that God has called you to be. And, And the reason why I say that is because this past Sunday, we started a brand new series called How to Become the goat. Now, I'm not necessarily referring to a goat in the sense of not, not that kind of goat. I'm also not talking about a goat in our conversations. You know, you know what goats are in conversations, right? Goats in conversations are the people that whenever you say something to, they say, but, and whenever you say something else to, they say, but or whenever you whenever you suggest an idea, but there's always a but for something that doesn't happen, or there's always a but of an excuse. So I'm not talking about being that kind of goat as well. And I know that the Bible talks about not being goats. Well, we're not even referring to that passage of the Bible, but we are looking at how to become the goat. And for those of you that are not familiar with this term, it typically is applied to sports, but it stands for, GOAT. Greatest of all time. Greatest of all time. And and here's the truth that we talked about on Sunday is we said that every single one of us can be the GOAT in some area of our lives. Now the reason why we decided to do this series is again because there has been a ton of conversation, especially if you are a football fan, about who is the greatest football player of all time. And right now, Probably the leading candidate is Tom Brady. It probably is. Now, I I know that, and I can be honest with you, I was a Tom Brady hater at one point because, of course, he was on the New England Patriots and they were winning, but now he's with the Buccaneers and we're winning. I kind of like the dude. (laughs) Call me a hypocrite if you want. I fully embody that. I fully accept that. But there's something about here is this guy who has led teams to seven Super Bowls. As an individual, he has won more Super Bowls than teams have won Super Bowls. I mean, he's won seven. The next closest to him is six as far as a team. So that's, that's really impressive. And, and I think he will definitely be in the Hall of Fame, first ballot Hall of Famer most likely just because of the incredible career that he's had. And I'm hoping that maybe he can lead the Buccaneers to one, two, three, more. I know he's 43 years old, but as long as he can keep playing like he's playing, hey, I'm not going to say get rid of the guy. <laughs> but hopefully this will create a culture of winning with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And that's what GOATs do, is GOATs are able to create a culture of winning no matter where they are. But people also argue in other sports, right? What about basketball? Who's the greatest basketball player of all time? And usually that comes down to Kobe, LeBron, Michael. Usually it comes down to those two. And of course, being more current is probably more LeBron and and Michael than Kobe being in the picture. Although Kobe was, he was an incredible player. But that's one of those things where people have had that conversation or the greatest tennis player ever. Is it Roger Federer? Roger Federer? Is it uh, Rafael Nadal? Is it, let's go back to, is it Jimmy Connors? Is it uh, John McEnroe? Who are the greatest? And then what about in women's tennis? You know, you have Mar- Martina Navratilova, you have uh, Serena Williams, Steffi Graf, Monica Sellis. I am pulling out, let me tell you now, I am pulling out the encyclopedia of Ken Ballard knowledge of sports because that is about as far as I go. Notice I didn't mention baseball. <laughs> and the reason why, is, I mean, just to be honest, I've just never followed baseball. I didn't really follow baseball until I got married. And even though I don't really follow it. But, you know, I married into a family that were huge Dodger fans. So go Big Blue, go Dodgers winning this World Series last year. Which brings down to Clayton Kershaw. What is his... What is his story going to be? Will he be one of the greatest pitchers of all time now that he's actually been able to win a World Series? There we go. I threw one in for baseball for you, especially for you, Dodger fan. There you go. There's a bone for you, too. (laughs) But when we began to look at who are the greatest pitchers, I mean, we got – Clayton Kershaw, we got Nolan Ryan. I mean, we can begin to look at that. Who are some others that we could start to throw uh, into the picture? Kurt Schilling, do we throw him in? Greatest hitters of all time. Uh, Of course, we got Reggie Jackson, uh, Derek Jeter. I mean, we can just go through the list of uh, Hank Aaron. I mean, no doubt about that. So, I mean, we can go through Willie Mays. Uh, So we can, look at me, look at me. I am like patting myself on the back right now, pulling out these baseball names because... Lord knows I'm not a baseball fan. So to be able to pull those out, I'm, I'm impressed with myself in, in this, at this moment. But it's just one of those things when it comes to sports, the greatest of all time. What about the greatest artists? What about the greatest artists of all time? Do we, do we throw Monet into the conversation or Picasso into the conversation, Van Gogh into the conversation, and Van Gogh, that's how you kind of say Van Gogh. That's that's my opportunity to just kind of throw a in there. And I apologize for those of you that are listening, like Ken, okay, you are taking it way too far. I know that there's a string of thought that's happening in your mind right now, but can you know quit though? That that sound is just not a good sound. But but what about Van Gogh? Or what about the greatest actors? And actresses of all time is Denzel in that conversation? Denzel Washington in that conversation? What about Anthony Hopkins? Like anything that Anthony Hopkins is in is worth the watch. Even if you're not a Marvel fan, you will mar- you will watch Thor simply because Anthony Hopkins plays Odin. Who else can we throw into that list? Do we throw Gary Cooper into that list of of just tremendous actors? Is Brad Pitt? in the argument of one of the greatest actors. And some of you might be thinking, well, Ken, he's a good-looking guy. I don't know if he's one of the greatest actors. And what about actresses? Can we throw some of those in there? What about Merle Streep? Incredible, incredible actress. We can, maybe Joan Crawford, we can go through the list. Uh, Haley Berry, you know, Halle Berry, does she deserve to be on that list of great actresses? And, and maybe I just disqualified myself just by saying Halle Berry's name because you're thinking, well, Ken, I don't know if she's a great actress. But, I mean, there's just names that we can just begin to just throw out there. Whose name would you throw out there as far as being the greatest of all time in whatever it is that they do? And I even talked about this on Sunday. Like, I desire to be the greatest pastor of all time. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm comparing myself to the Rick Warrens of the world or the Andy Stanleys of the world or the Charles Stanleys of the world, or even the Billy Grahams of the world. I'm not, I'm not comparing myself to them and talking about being the greatest pastor of all time. But in talking about being the greatest pastor of all time, I'm just talking about being the best version of me of all time. That the result of that could be that I can be a person of encouragement, that I can be a person of influence, that I can be a person that as I become the best me, I begin to influence those that are around me to pursue who God has called for them to be to fulfill that to pursue God to to pursue greater intimacy with him to grow in that relationship how can i be the best me and in being the best me the best pastor of all time not comparing just saying what i desire to be and it's always interesting to have this conversation about greatness because there should be there there should be this element in us where there is this rub where there is this struggle like there should be like is is, is it okay for me to look at myself as being the greatest of all time is it okay for that to be something that I pursue or something that I that I go after because I also want to be what I, I also want to be humble But I think every single one of us, we we can be the greatest of all time in some aspect of our lives. The greatest husband, the greatest wife, the greatest father, the greatest mother, the greatest son, the greatest daughter, greatest uncle, greatest aunt, greatest employer and greatest employee, greatest student, greatest teacher, that we can look at ways that we can be the greatest of all time. But if I desire to do that, then do I compromise in my humility? And I would say, no, because there's no doubt that we could say that Jesus Christ absolutely was the greatest of all time. And there was nothing wrong with that. When you look at the things that Jesus Christ said about himself, it was obvious that he had confidence in who he was and who who his father had called him to be. There was this confidence that was in that. And, and there's this one point where Jesus Christ is having a conversation with some guys. And they were just questioning Jesus and about Jesus and what he would do and what he was saying. And, and they were concerned about, like, who are you to say what it is that you say? Who are you to have the right to say the things that you say? And they would do. And they would. They would question Jesus all the time. But Jesus would always come back with his credentials and how he was the right person to be who he was and to say what he had to say about himself. He would do that quite often. And I think that that just again shows the confidence that he had in who he was, yet there was no compromise in that. Matter of fact, this happened in John chapter 5, that Jesus had just healed a lame man. And they questioned his right to be able to do this. And they questioned his right to be able to continue to practice the things that he practiced. And he says this, which I thought was really powerful in John chapter 5. It says, so the Jewish leaders, start at verse 16, so the Jewish leaders begin harassing Jesus for breaking the Sabbath rules. But Jesus replied, My Father is also working, and so am I. So the Jewish leaders tried all the harder to find a way to kill him, for not only, for he not only broke the Sabbath, he called God his Father, thereby making himself equal with God. So literally, what Jesus Christ is saying is, Fellas, I'm great. I'm great. And again, there's nothing wrong with pursuing greatness or being great because I think what happens in that is it allows us the opportunity to be able to grow and to become the kind of person that God has already called us to be. Another conversation that Jesus had was this in John chapter 10 beginning at verse 25. It says, Jesus replied, I've already told you and you don't believe me. So they kept saying, why are you qualified to do the things that you do? Why are you qualified to do the things that you do? Tell us pretty clear. Are you the Messiah? And Jesus responds to that. I've already told you and you don't believe me. The proof is the work I do in my father's name but you don't believe me because you are not my sheep my sheep listen to my voice i know them and they follow me i give them eternal life and they will never perish no one can snatch them away from me for my father has given them to me and he is more powerful than anyone else no one can snatch them from my father's hand the father and i are one it says once again the people picked up stones to kill him and jesus said At my father's direction, I have done many good works. For which one are you going to stone me? For which one, basically, are you going to kill me? And they replied, we're stoning you, not for any good work, but for blasphemy, because you are a mere man claiming to be God. So here's what I want you to understand when it comes to greatness the greatness claims of Jesus Christ were directly connected to his calling and his identity they were directly connected with that so if you really want to begin to embrace your greatness then it's important for you to become confident in your identity who has God fashioned created, and called you to be. What are your gifts? What are your talents? What are your abilities? What about the role? What is the role that you currently find yourself in? Has God given you that role? If you are a mom or dad, the answer is yes. If you are a student, probably yes. But has God given you that goal, that that role? Jesus Christ knew his role. My role is to come here and to die and to rise again. So he knew that role and he was very confident in that role and what God had called him to do and to be. So knowing your identity, knowing your role, as you are confident in that, then that's when you can begin to pursue greatness in those ways. See, when greatness become compromised in us is when we begin to turn to outside sources to make us feel great. And that's what we tend to do in society, isn't it? Is we look at other sources. And some of this I'm going to get into a little bit on Sunday as well. But as we look into other sources, we we will look at maybe someone is great because of the amount of money that they have. Or maybe someone is great because of the amount of influence that they have. Or maybe someone is great because of the position that they have. We look at the external things to measure someone's greatness. And if we're looking at external things to measure someone's greatness, the problem with that can become if their identity is called up or caught up in those things, what happens when you lose them? What happens to your greatness then? See, greatness is not based upon something external. It's based upon something internal. There's an internal wiring that brings us to greatness. So how do you become the greatest of all time? It's just by learning how to be comfortable in your identity and who God has called you to be. Now, it's very interesting. I think that that's a forecast. (laughs) Usually when we get together and we are having this talk in the podcast, we are kind of reviewing what we talked about the week before and just bringing some other ideas into that. But I've just been thinking about this a lot. And I just wanted to share some of my thoughts with you. And, and many times as I'm sharing, it's, it's just a flow of consciousness of things that are coming out that I'm processing, that I'm working through in my head. And you just get a chance to be able to come along on this journey with me. And I really have been processing this idea of greatness so that we can begin to understand what is the greatness that I should pursue and what is the greatness that I should not pursue. And again, that's what we're going to be looking at that uh, a little bit more this coming Sunday when we talk about redefining greatness, redefining greatness. But here's the thing that we have to understand too is is as we look at greatness, it's important to understand what did God created us to do or to be. As, as we look at this idea of your understanding your identity, as we look at this idea of understanding your calling, what is he called and what is he created you to do? See, that's why Jesus Christ came. And that's why Jesus Christ dealt with sin, because Jesus Christ knew that any time that we are involved in sin, it's a compromise. It is a compromise of our identity. It is a compromise of our calling. It is a compromise of our purpose. It is a compromise of who we could be. And the only way, and the only way that we could be back on the path of being able to fulfill that is for us to be restored, for us to be healed, and for us to be renewed. See greatness. As I said before, it's just stepping into the fullness of who God has called and created you to be. And when you read through the scriptures, one of the things that you will find is whenever God called someone, his calling was for them to begin to change that which was around them. But one of the things that we said, our main point for the message on Sunday was simply this, is goats are not changed by their culture. They change it. Again, goats are not changed by their culture. They change it. And one of the things that I talked about on Sunday is, you know, have you noticed that when you are around someone who is great, you tend to think, differently. You tend to look at yourself differently. You tend to look at your potential differently. Have you ever had someone that came along and that pat you on the back that gave you a different vision of yourself? I remember back in 2012 when I began to think about the possibilities of launching a church, and I will tell you that there was so much insecurity that I wrestled with. Like, why, how, who am I that I am qualified to lead people? There was no real track record of, of leadership in my life, but yet I felt God calling me to step into this position. And I remember I sat down with a guy who, again, probably one of the greatest influences in my ministry and everything that I do. His name is Ted Knapp. God rest his soul. He passed away from COVID this year. So I'll be praying for his family. But I am where I am doing what I am doing because of Ted Knapp. And I just remember we I sat down with him and We did a series of meetings where we just walked through planning a church and what does that look like and what was the vision of the church that God had called me to do. So we were just kind of fleshing that out together. And he looked at me and he said, Ken, I believe that you can be a great pastor. I really believe that. And I really believe that if you are able to embrace all that God has called you to be, you could possibly be a church, lead a church of hundreds. And I still, in many ways, are blown away by that. I'm still blown away by that. And we're not at that position yet, so obviously there's some still greatness work I need to do (laughs) in me. But to have someone who believes in you that much is huge. It really is huge. And I I really want you to lean into this because this is important for you to understand. God sent his son to die for you because he believes in you. He believes in your potential. He believes in the greatness that you could be. I believe that what God is calling us to do is he's calling us to be people to influence our culture. I mean, there's, th- there's no doubt that in our culture, there is a tremendous need for love. There's no doubt about that and, and what that love really looks like. There, there's no doubt in our culture that there is a need for compassion for those who are helping and serving those who are broken and, and loving those who are broken. There's no doubt that there is a shortage of that. And when we are able to step into the fullness of what God has called or created us to be, that's when we can begin to see the reality of that begin to happen. We are called in many cases. I changed that. We are called in all cases to be great. And what God desires to do is he desires to come in to our lives to begin to do the work of removing the things that hinder that greatness. One of the things I talked about on Sunday is have you ever noticed that when you put fish on your plate that if you put saltwater fish on your plate, did you notice that you have to put salt on it? I mean, now think about that. If I get a nice plate of salmon that I am ready to dig in and enjoy, it has to be seasoned well. I remember once my my wife made this recipe with a honey-glazed salmon Eleven herbs and spices. Now I know that that's Kentucky Fried Chicken, (laughs) but when I look at what she put on it, I was like, "Man, it it was—it just tasted incredible." But one of the things that she had to put on it was salt. Now again, here you have this fish that lives in salt, breathes in salt, swims in salt, eats in salt. Basically, its entire adult life, life is composed of being in salt water. Until maybe it goes up to, depending on where it's from, it's, it goes into Alaska, up the river to do whatever it needs to do to spawn and come back. Maybe during that time it's not in salt water, but it spends the majority of its life in salt water. But yet, it doesn't taste Salty. Or what about tuna? Maybe tuna is a better example. That it spends its entire life in salt water, but we have to add salt to it. Why is that? Why is that? And one of the things I found on Sunday is, I guess there's a, there's a certain set of biological processes that these fish have to go through in order to make sure that they're Their electrolytes are balanced in the right way because if not, then the fish will actually die from too much salt in their bodies. So although they're living in salt, they have to find a way to get rid of the extra salt that's in their body or else they will die. And this is one of the reasons why when we are in salt water, we can't drink salt water because we don't have the same processes that a fish does. And that's why salt water will actually kill us compared to killing a fish. Very interesting in that way. It's very interesting when you begin to think about it from that perspective. But I'm saying all that to say this, is we live in a culture. We eat in a culture. We drink in this culture. We work in this culture. But there's the thing that we have to realize is we cannot allow this culture to shape us. We must shape it. So the same way that the fish has to have the processes to be able to eliminate the extra salt from it, we need to have the same process to be able to identify what elements of culture that are in me that are healthy, what elements of culture that are in me that are unhealthy, so that I can begin to excrete, I can begin to get rid of the culture that in me that is in me that is not healthy, that is not productive, that does not allow me to be able to grow or to develop. And I will tell you, if you read the story of Israel, this is the failure of what happened to Israel and it's being able to fully adapt what it is that God created it to be. See, when God chose Israel, God chose Israel to be the nation through whom he would reveal himself to the world. They were originally meant to be the first fully theocratic nation to exist. And in being led by God, because of their influence, the idea was meant to be, now that I see who this God is and how he's leading your nation and how great your nation is, I want to know your God. I want to embrace your God. I want to get to know your God and have a relationship with him. That's what he intended for them to be. But rather than embracing what it is that God had told them to be, they begin to look at the culture around them. And they say, you know what, God, we want to be just like everyone else. And in that compromise, they became just like everyone else. And they never reached the full capacity of being the nation that God intended for them to be. And I will tell you the same thing. You will never reach your full capacity if you are just trying to be like everyone else. And that's hard because our society sometimes puts pressure on us sometimes, right, to, to think like everyone else matter of fact isn't that the reason why we have this political divide that exists in our nation right now is because if you don't think like i do then i want i mean we don't we call it what do we call it now we call that cancel culture and if you are not a part of the way that i want you to be then i will cancel you i will get rid of you i don't want you around as a part of my life as a part of my culture so that's kind of the element that we live in now God wants you to be able to move beyond that to be something greater, not to settle for being like everyone else and trying to force everyone else to respond or react, to think the way that you would think, but to lead them to begin to embrace who he is so that they can begin to live life the way that God designed for them to lead it. Oh, man, that's just so beautiful. That really is beautiful. But in order for us to get to that place, we have to begin to embrace who we are. We have to begin to embrace who we are. So how do we do that? How do we do that? And here's what we talked about on Sundays. We said that Jesus Christ gave us a tool. In Mark chapter 12, verse 30 and 31, it says, that You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is this, or second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So at Encounter, we say it this way. We say love up, love out, love in. So whenever you hear me say that, it's always based upon this verse. Love up, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love out, love your neighbor, love in as yourself. Love up, love out, love in. Now, here's a tool that I want to encourage you to do. What if you sat down with a pen and paper, and at the end of every day, you examined your life, How did I do today with loving up? What are things that I did today that allowed me to connect with God? What are things that I did that caused me to disconnect with God? How did I do with loving up? Loving out. Who did I care for? Who did I love? As we see in scriptures, there are three people that Jesus Christ loved that he really reached out to, that he was intentional about connecting with. He was intentional about connecting with those who were far from him to help them to come to know him. And then once they came to know him, he was also intentional about helping them continue to deepen that relationship with him. He was also passionate about reaching those who were broken. Who were those who were broken? The hurting. Jesus Christ was walking through a town once. He saw this woman who was a widower, who was leading a funeral procession procession now for her son. And what did he do? He healed the boy he bought him he brought him back to life why because he cared about those who were broken and hurting and then also he cared about the poor he cared about the poor that's why he healed the sick that's why he healed the lame that's why he healed the blind he cared about those who could not care for themselves so that's what it means to love out so what if you said that with a pen and paper and just asked, how did I do today with loving out? Who was I purposeful about serving, loving, encouraging today? And then love in. What are the personal steps of growth that I took today? What are my goals? Where am I going? How am I doing with those? How can I be better? What if at the end of every day, That became our practice. Love up, love out, love in. Love up, love out, love in. I think we will see such a tremendous change happen in our lives and we will begin to embrace our calling to become the GOAT. Well, again, thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. It was such an honor to have you with us. And, again, I just want to let you know that if you are listening through our website, if you want to, you can head over to Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, any place that is a source of podcasts, you can pretty much find us there. And I just want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe. That way, when we're posting new podcasts out, we are you're able to get an encouragement from us. If there are things that we're doing well, great. If there are things that we can do better We always want to know. I always want to know what can I do better to make this podcast have an even greater appeal. So if you want to share some words with that, I would love to be able to hear words of encouragement, words of challenge, and words that would help me to be able to be a better podcaster. Would love to be able to hear that. But also, if this has been an encouragement with you, please share it with a friend and invite others to be a part of the Encounter Podcast family as well. But again, thank you so much. And as we said, Encounter's about three things. Love up, love out, love in. Well, God bless you. And we'll see you once again next week. And as I said before, if you happen to be in town, in North Torrance, this coming Sunday at 10.30 a.m., and you wanna get out of the house and go to a church service, come on out and join us in our parking lot. Well, God bless you and we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for joining us for the Encounter Community Church Podcast. If you could do us a favor, whatever service it is that you're listening to this podcast on, please rate and review us. If there's anything that we can do better, please let us know. But by rating and review, it also make our podcast easier for others to be able to find. If you would like to support us at Encounter financially, with what it is that we're doing to make a difference in our community, whether it's the mobile food bank, whether it's serving at North High School, or making a difference, again, in our community, feel free to head over to our website, encountercommunity.church. Click the link that says online giving. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. That way when we post new live streams or new vlogs, you'll be updated. As well as please head over to Facebook and like our page. That way, when we post new podcasts, again, new vlogs, new live streams, or have church events, you'll be updated and know what's going on here at Encounter. As we said before, thank you so much. We're so glad to have you with us, and we look forward to you being a part of the podcast next week.